What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, every bit of content we put out on the baseball and fantasy baseball side gets shared out through Ethos Fantasy BB. So make sure you guys are giving us a follow there if you haven't already and checking out sportsethos.com as well to get everything right at the source across all four major sports and beyond. We got so much stuff going on at the website. We're expanding a lot. We have been for the last while. And that does remind me, we are still hiring people here at Sports Ethos. If you're interested in breaking into the fantasy landscape, maybe you just want to focus on the sport itself. Maybe you want to cover a specific team. There is a lot of openings we got. So reach out to me at JoeRico99 if you are interested in coming aboard our team. We got a little bit of a busy show here today. We're going to talk about a couple of bits of news and notes from the last day or so. We're going to talk about some Friday streamers at the end, but squished in the middle, we are also going to review some trades that you guys sent in over on Twitter. I said, send in some recent trades that you guys have made, and we'll talk about them. I'm going to try and get to all of them, but there was actually a lot more responses than I was expecting. Uh, We're up over 20 of them now, and I've only posted it an hour ago, so we'll get through as many as we possibly can, but we're going to start off with a little bit of news, and typically when I do these news and notes at the beginning of the shows... It's not usually a lot of good news. It's typically injuries. It's typically setbacks. It's typically, you know, not things you want to hear. But we're actually starting off with some good news here. Tyler Glass now needs one more rehab start, and then he will likely be back next week to make his season debut. That is awesome for people who have drafted Tyler Glass now and held on to him. I drafted him in one league where I really need pitching. I I mean, who doesn't need pitching at this point pretty much in every league? But the league where I took him... I kind of waited on pitching, and that was the same league where I ended up with Nick Lodolo. So I missed out on my Yuri Perez bids this weekend, which was unfortunate. So I really am in need of an influx of pitching. And Tyler Glass now is about as nice of a surprise as I could hope for. I, I, I don't really have much in terms of expectations like coming into the season. I drafted him because he fell to like 160, 170, 180 kind of range. I can't remember exactly where I took him. But it was like past round 10 in a 15-teamer. And I thought at that point, the upside is is plenty high enough for me to take a gamble on him. When he's been out there, like the, the question with Glass now is how much he's going to pitch. It's not a matter of how good he is because he is so, so talented. Like it's just you've seen it all over the place, especially since he came to Tampa. Like in Pittsburgh, he was still very raw. Didn't have a lot of time there. And he didn't do particularly well over his first you know 15, 17 starts in the bigs. But since he's come to Tampa... He has been so lights out. It's just been a matter of keeping him healthy. Now, if he is healthy, there's a potential. And you know, we were talking about this before the season. It was, uh, you know, people in the fantasy community were trying to tout him as a top 20 starting pitcher based on projections, based on what we've seen with our own eyes. If he's healthy, then he could easily be a top 20 starting pitcher. It's just, you know, how many starts are we going to get out of him? Now, that brings me to the next point where some people, and he's about 90% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Uh, It'll vary a little bit depending on your platform, but regardless of where you're playing or what the situation is, Tyler Glass now needs to be rostered, right? If you're looking at ESPN, it's 84%. There are so many times where we go through the trash heap of pitchers and we try and find, you know, some streamers or some short-term value or whatever. You're hoping for long-term value whenever you pick anybody up, even if it's just a random stream for one night, the guy gives you seven shutout innings. Okay, I'll start him next week. I'll start him next week. And, you know, you might strike gold throughout the season on the waiver wire. If you get Tyler Glass now, regardless of how much he's able to pitch for you, even if it's just five, six starts, 
I'm hoping it's a lot more than that. I'm hoping he's just healthy. But let's say it is five, six, seven starts. You got to just take that production and bank it, even if it might, you know, sting when he possibly does get re-injured because that's, you know, he's never thrown more than 111 innings. That was back in 2018 when a lot of those innings came in relief. As a starter, you know, we're talking about 2021 at 88 innings was the most we've seen out of him. So, you know, even if you're not getting a lot of Tyler Glass now, I would I would grab him wherever you can. You know, it doesn't really matter. I wouldn't drop you know, crazy high established players for him, but I would drop, you know, those back end of your bench kind of guys. Most of you, you should have streaming spots where you got a situation where should this arise? And I mean, I know he's rostered in most leagues, but should you be in one of those ESPN leagues where he is 84% rostered, like 90, 91 on Yahoo? There is still some leagues, even if it's shallow leagues where he's available, and it doesn't matter the depth of the league because his talent on a per-inning, per-game basis is top 20, top 25 starting pitcher, if not even better. So uh, if you can, you get him, and then you roster him for, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be the rest of the season or not. If he's not injured, then it almost certainly will be based on the talent level. But for the amount of ads we use on shitty streamers and guys that were just hoping and you know, praying for a two-step and you know, there's there's a lot of ads you make that will have a lot less certainty around them than Tyler Glass now. The only thing that we got to worry about is how much he's going to be out there. But while he's out there, he needs to be rostered. You know, it, it's not even a question for me that Tyler Glass now should not be available in even 1% of leagues. So go and make sure he is not just sitting around on your waiver wire. Likely he's not, but in your shallow leagues, there's a decent chance that he might be. I'm talking like eight-team leagues. There's a, there's a decent chance that he is out there. Manny Machado. So this one is a weird situation. His initial x-ray came back negative after he was hit by a pitch uh, on his hand on Monday. And then they did another another x-ray, I believe, or was it? I think it would have been another x-ray. Maybe there was some other kind of scan that they did, and it revealed that he had a small fracture in his hand. This is awful news uh, for Manny Machado and for his fantasy managers. He's been bad so far this season. There's no really two ways to put it. He's got five home runs. He's got a couple of steals. He's batting 231. He's been one of the bigger disappointments out of the first round draft pick so far this season. Now, from what they're saying, it doesn't sound like he'll need to go to the injured list. According to Bob Melvin, the Padres manager, they don't believe he'll require a trip to the injured list. Now, regardless, this is something that's going to worry me a little bit because he's already not swinging the bat well. If you got to worry about maybe changing something up with your hand, if there is going to be an injury in your finger, you know, it'll probably it's not usually that serious when there's a broken finger. A small fracture. I'm not sure where exactly the fracture even is, but it doesn't give me a lot of confidence that we're going to see him immediately turn it around based on that. You know, he had been a little bit better as of late, but not even really. I mean, his last 16 at-bats, he has one hit. He added a couple of home runs earlier in the month, but it's been bad, and I don't have a lot of confidence from something like this happening. It's not the end of the world, but, you know, he, they say he's not going on the injured list. Maybe he does go on the injured list. And regardless of if he does or if he doesn't, we might have to just scale back our general expectations for Manny Machado this season just a little bit. I still think he'll be fine. But, you know, when you factor in the struggles and, you know, the bad underlying metrics as well for the most part to go along with this fracture, I am a little bit scared. I'm not saying, you know, dump him, trade him at all costs. But I am definitely not thrilled uh, at the prospects of Manny Machado having another kind of impediment there in terms of his success for this season. So it's definitely a worry. There's no real move you could make, obviously. If they put him on the IL and you got IL slots, then God bless, put him on the IL. But right now, it's just something to keep an eye on. And maybe if we do know that there's, you know, 
maybe this is a little bit more serious than we thought, or he comes back and he still doesn't look good, then maybe we start to trade him and you're not going to recoup full value regardless, right? Even if you were to trade him right now, you're not getting back full Manny Machado value. You paid a first-round pick, maybe an early second-round pick for him. But I don't think that there is much need in, in trading him unless you're going to be able to recoup like a, you know 90% of that value, and I really don't think you can. I would just say to hold on and wait, and we'll see what the coming days tell us with Machado. Because maybe they do put him on the IL. Maybe he's back in the lineup. We just kind of have to wait and see. Now, we got an update on Adam Duvall as well. I think this one potentially, did this one come through yesterday? And I think I might have just missed it. Or, you know what, actually, it was late last night. So I, it was after I'd recorded the show. I thought it might have been during the day. But apparently, Adam Duvall is aiming to come back off the injured list when he is first eligible on June the 9th. I'd forgotten that they put him on the 60-day injured list, honestly. It felt it feels like it's a, a very long time, but he did get hurt like right at the beginning of the season. We gotta remember for how good Adam Duvall did look at the beginning of the year, it was 33 at bats. I still have faith that he is somebody that you should be holding, but at the same time, when you got a wrist injury, it's different, it's worse probably than the hand for Machado, because that, you know, your hand is mostly stationary while you're swinging. You got to worry about gripping the bat, but your wrist is what is actually moving around when you when you swing the bat. You got to have that that motion of twisting with both hands, and I don't know exactly how he's going to react from that. We might see a bit of a zap in power, which is, <coughs> excuse me, which is generally the best category. That's generally what he does, you know, best for fantasy managers is he has a lot of power in him. He's got a 38 home run, 113 ribby season just a couple years ago. He had 33 and 103. He had 31 and 99. He's not a huge batting average asset. He's not a huge stolen base asset. Runs are okay. Nothing too, nothing too fancy to write home about. It's really the power where you're getting the fantasy value with Duvall. So if the power is zapped, if it's gone, I don't think it'll be gone entirely, but if he is hindered by that, then that might be something where we have to look at and say, maybe there's not much of a point in holding Adam Duvall. For now, yes, he is still somebody I'd be holding, but let's say he comes back and he goes the first couple weeks and he's just really not looking good, then at that point, I think you're you're probably okay to drop him. Even right now, in your very shallow formats, I'd be okay to drop him. In your 8 and 10 team leagues, I don't really know that he's going to cut it. He's still rostered in 63% of Yahoo leagues. If, if you're just holding him and you have an IL spot, then there's no problem there. I don't mind holding him with an IL spot because it just doesn't hurt anybody. You might as well. But I wouldn't be taking zeros with the prospect of Adam Duvall coming back and thinking, oh, he was going, he was batting 455 before he went down, and he had 25 runs in RBIs in his first 33 at-bats. A stupid number. Completely unsustainable, even in a good offense, in a great ballpark to hit in. It's just not going to happen, especially when you're coming back from a wrist injury. So we have to kind of keep our expectations, I think, in check a little bit for Duvall. That's not to say that he's probably not. I mean, I'm not saying he's not worth holding. I'm just saying that if he comes back and we see that there are signs that the power is not there, then that's pretty much all that you would have been getting from Adam Duvall. So just keep that in mind when he does come back. We're still, I think we're probably a couple weeks out still. If he comes back from the minimum stint on June the 9th, and we're talking about, you know, a little about three weeks from now. So it's just something to keep in the back of your head. He's not somebody I'd be running to go and stash in most cases. Maybe in a 15-team league if he was dropped, and sure. Uh, definitely in a 15-team league. But if you're talking about your, your 10s and 12-team leagues, I just really don't think Adam Duvall is going to carry enough fantasy weight that he really is worth holding on to. Uh, but we just have to wait and see. Maybe he comes back and he's totally fine and he's able to give us you know, that 30 home run power again. I'm just a little bit skeptical coming off of a wrist injury. And I also think that based on his hot start, people will be projecting that throughout the entire season. That's just really not going to happen. 15 for his first 33, ridiculous. 
The stat line for those games was just across the board ridiculous. And it was, remember, eight games. So anybody can get hot over eight games. Adam Duvall does have the talent to you know carry that for longer. But I think we have to keep our expectations in check at the same time. Let's talk about one more little note here, and it's not really like an injury or anything like that. This is more just a, you know, keep on your radar. It's Seiya Suzuki. He's only 66% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He has hit three home runs in the last couple of days. He hit another one earlier in the week. He has been really, really good as of late. He's 13 for his last 43. He's got four home runs in that time frame. We saw it last year, the, the production he can give you across all five categories. Now, he is without a stolen base so far this season, but I think you give him some more time, he will start to steal. It might not be a lot of steals, but he'll chip in some steals with great power. He's somebody who can hit in the 270, 280 kind of range. And at 66% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, he's, you know, he's still sitting on one out of every three waiver wires. So if you need any kind of outfield help, he is the guy that I would be looking for. Again, a lot of leagues he's going to be rostered already, but more so skewing towards your shallow 8- and 10-team leagues. Say Suzuki should not be available. I think that he is somebody that will have rest of season viability batting in, you know, third, fourth, fifth, typically fourth uh, in that Cubs lineup. I think that he should have a lot of fantasy juice and should not be sitting on waiver wire. So just something to keep in mind there if he is available in your league. Now let's talk about some of these trades. I've glanced through them, but I kind of wanted to be surprised here on the air with you guys just hearing these trades and kind of give you my initial thought process on them. So the first one here is a dynasty trade, and I'm not a big dynasty guy. You guys know that, but we'll talk about it here regardless. Josh Lowe and Ian Hamilton for Heston Kierstad and Lane Thomas. 14-team dynasty, my first year in the league as I build for the future. I don't like it, to be perfectly honest with you. I would have taken Josh Lowe there over Heston Kierstad. The other two pieces are, you know, Ian Hamilton is is a reliever who's done pretty well so far for the Yankees, but he's not somebody where you can really... No relievers really outside of some really elite closers and guys who are you know, high leverage guys. You can really look at a dynasty perspective and say that they're going to carry that much value because of the season by season volatility of relievers. You know, I, I don't know that Ian Hamilton is that great of a dynasty asset, even in a 14 team league. Um, you know, Josh Lowe, we talked about him from a dynasty point of view the other day about what would it cost to acquire Josh Lowe in dynasty. And I'm thinking it's probably, you know, a top 100 player at this point, probably even higher based on how good he has been so far this season. Now, I had a little bit of trepidation about paying that price based on the fact that the Rays haven't been playing him every day. I'm not 100% sure about what the role will be going forward, but I think that he's going to have a regular role regardless. And I, you know, even if they do kind of don't use him against left-handed pitching as much as they should, that doesn't kill you from a fantasy point of view. The vast majority of pitchers are righty, so it's not like, you know, even if he is platooning, He's got the strong side of that platoon. He's still playing 80, 90% of the time, and he's been ridiculously good. The Josh Lowe and Ian Hamilton side, it does get weighed down a bit because Hamilton is, you know, uh, he's been well this year, but it's, again, very volatile on a year-to-year basis, what you're going to get out of any given reliever. Uh, on the other side of that trade, Heston Kierstad, I, I've heard some things I like, and I've heard some things I don't like from the prospect people around. They're not really 100% sure about the power and I, I, you know, just seeing him out in Arizona myself, I, I thought he was a little bit disappointing, slightly. I, again, I don't evaluate prospects for a living, and he has been pretty good so far this year in Double A. Uh, but we're still talking about somebody who's a couple levels away from the big leagues in exchange for essentially a guy who is breaking out this season. So I, I personally would not have made that trade. Lane Thomas is an interesting addition there as well because Lane Thomas is, I think, a pretty underrated baseball player. But I don't think that he carries a ton of value necessarily. He's like a low-end 
four kind of category guy because he's giving you some homers. He's giving you some steals. Um, not He's hitting 281 this year, but that's not going to stick. He'll be like a 240, 250 kind of guy. I think he's a good fantasy player, and I think in a dynasty point of view, he could have some value. I just would have rather taken the Josh Lowe side there specifically because he is the best player in that trade, highest outlook, I think, in that trade. So it's not horrible. It's not like it's, you know, you, you got to quit the league or any, anything like that now. It's, it's not my preferred trade. I wouldn't have done it myself, but I can... I can kind of understand it, I guess, if you're trying to just build straight up for the future. But at that point, why not just keep Josh Lowe at the same time? You know, Josh Lowe is 25 years old. He's breaking out. I, I would have kept him, but, you know, let's let's move on to the next one. It's not the end of the world. It's, it's a fine trade. Uh, this next one is a lot going on. There are 11 players involved in this trade. <laughs> so trading away Matt Chapman, Michael Harris, uh, JT Real Muto, Emmanuel Clase, and Brian Reynolds. That is a lot on that side. On the other side, we got W. Contreras. I honestly don't know if it's William or Wilson. Matt Olson, Edward Cabrera, Lourdes Gurriel, Logan Allen, and Marcus Stroman. The left side by a, a, a large margin, I would prefer there. You're getting Matt Chapman, who has been an elite third base. I know he's been you know, bad in May, but still he's, over the course of the season, done really nice things. Michael Harris, underperforming. Great by low. JT Realmuto, he's Maybe not been quite what we've expected, but still very, very solid from what you're getting from a catcher. Classe is Emmanuel Classe. I mean, the dude is the dude is spectacular. You know what you're getting out of him. He's a top two or three closer. And then Brian Reynolds, who I know he's come back down to earth a little bit, but this that's a stacked side on that trade. The other side, you know, Edward Cabrera is kind of hit or miss, I think. Like, I love Edward Cabrera, but more so from deeper league point of views. I don't know that he's a 10 or a 12-team guy necessarily because of the walk problems. Contreras is fine, sure. But then you got, like, you know, Marcus Stroman is another guy where he's doing well this season. But he's also not somebody that I have a lot of faith in start to start. I think he's very volatile. Logan Allen has been good, but I'm not 100% sure he's going to be up in the big leagues the rest of the season based on the amount of arms that Cleveland's dealing with. So there's... There's a lot of there's a lot more questions on the right side of this trade than there is on the other side. The only piece that I really love on the right side is Matt Olson. You know, the other side is stacked full of talent. So I'll definitely take the Chapman, Harris, Real Muto, Classe, and Brian Reynolds side. All right, next up here, um, dealt Justin Steele, Brandon Lau, and Ty France for Ricky Tiedemann, Glaber Torres, and Jared Kelnick, again in a dynasty league. Uh, Justin Steele, I like a lot. I think he's over overperforming a little bit. I think he'll come more back down to earth. Um, but I, I think that Justin Steele is somebody that is still maybe a little bit undervalued even, but I, I he's tough to really evaluate because he does outperform his advanced metrics quite a bit. He doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. So I like Justin Steele, but I don't love him from a long-term point of view. I, I don't have so, so much faith. I like him, but I don't love him, uh, from a, from a long-term perspective. Brandon Lau, very streaky player. He's been, you know, he started the year ridiculously hot, and then he got freezing cold. He started to pick it up a little bit again over this last week, but, you know, very hit or miss kind of fantasy player for the most part. I think the line at the end of the season will still look really good, but I don't know that he's going to carry that week-to-week kind of value. I like him, but he's a very, again, another tricky player to evaluate just because the highs are so high and the lows are so low with him. And then Ty France is the last piece in that trade underperforming so far this season to be sure two homers uh you know 273 batting average is fine we would have liked to see more power overall he's been he's been pretty good if you look at the other side of that trade though Ricky Tiedemann has the potential to be an absolute stud and I think he will be 
Jared Kelnick is turning into a stud right before our eyes, and we've kind of known, I mean, it's hard to say really what we knew, but you figured he was going to eventually figure it out at some point, and he has been for sure, even though he's been a little bit cold recently. He's still batting 282 with eight homers and six steals. And then you got Glaber Torres, who I think is also a really undervalued player from a fantasy point of view, from a real-life point of view. I, you know, He's given you four-category production. Giving you homers, he's giving you steals. The batting average is not bad; it's not great. But at the end of the day, I will I will happily take the Tiedemann, Glaber Torres, and Jared Kellenick side, even though the other side is a little bit more established, slightly more established, big league wise. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Kellenick and Tiedemann upside there any day of the week. Um, next up, traded Mountcastle, Chris Morrell, and Bogarts for Jose Ramirez and Evan Phillips in a dynasty league. Yeah, I got no problem with that. You're getting the best player in the trade, Jose Ramirez. You're getting him at a discount, it looks like, because of the fact that he hasn't been so great this year. He hasn't been horrible or anything, but he definitely hasn't been as great as we would have hoped. Christopher Morrell, I think that there's a lot of problems there still. He's off to a great start, but I... I don't know that he's a long-term, massive upside guy for fantasy. I, 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 we have to see. We have to see how the Cubs use him. We have to see if he's able to keep this pace up. He's got, a, I believe, still having a pretty bad uh, – I believe he's still got a pretty bad strikeout rate. Let me just double-check and take a look what it's been so far. But it was pretty rough. Um, let's just see here. Yeah, he's still striking out 39% of the time, only 3% walk rate. I don't love Morrell. Mountcastle I like okay, but he's kind of, you know, hindered by that ballpark a little bit. And Bogarts is good, but he's kind of on the on the waning side of of his fantasy value, I think. Even though again, Xander Bogarts has been good this season, I don't know that he is somebody that I'd really be clamoring to go after in a dynasty point of view. On the other side of that though, Ramirez, uh, you know, great opportunity to buy on him. Evan Phillips really has done a great job so far this season as the closer for the Dodgers. I know they've used a couple different guys here and there, but He's got a 2-1-2 ERA, a 0.82 whip. He was great last year, too. I could see them using him as the closer. Maybe not. I, I really don't know if he's going to be their closer of the future or what their what their expectation is in full for Evan Phillips because they do have a couple guys who are capable of closing, of shutting down a ball game. You know, uh, Gratterall can do it. They've given it to Ferguson one time this season as well. Uh, Shelby Miller also has a save for them. There's, I mean, they're not going to go to Shelby Miller very often, but I think Phillips is probably going to be their closer for the foreseeable future. To go along with Jose Ramirez, I would definitely take that side, no problem. Uh, Murphy, I'm assuming Sean Murphy here, and Patrick Sandoval for Julio Urias and Adley Rutschman. Yeah, I'm taking the Urias-Adley Rutschman side there every day of the week. I know Murphy's been great, but I think over the course of the season, you'll still see Adley outproduce him, and I think you'll see Julio Urias outproduce uh, Patrick Sandoval. So I'll easily take the Adley Rutschman side there. This next one's a tough one. Uh, traded away Ronald Acuna Jr. for Devers and Alcantara. I'm assuming this is redraft because I haven't seen anything else. Now, that's a ballsy move to trade away Ronald Acuna Jr. with how great he has been this season. Far and away the number one fantasy player. It's not even close. He looks like he's a runaway favorite for the NL MVP at this point. On the other side, Devers has been really good. I, I mean, I, I really like Rafael Devers quite a bit. Does it does the value match up there? You know, if you just look, hold on, let's look one for one here. Uh, Devers for Acuna, there's a massive difference in terms of the stolen bases, in terms of the batting average you're going to get, in terms of pretty much everything. Power is pretty much a wash, but much prefer Acuna there. When you factor in Sandy Alcantara, it does make it a little more interesting, but I'm also not really that big on Sandy this season. I was down on him coming into the year. I ranked him outside my top 10 starting pitchers, and people got very, very upset with me because of it. 
but he just doesn't carry that massive strikeout upside, even though these last two games, 9Ks and 9Ks, it's more volume-based, and the production hasn't really come along with it in terms of the ratios for him. And, of course, one win because he pitches for a bad team. That's something that was definitely a worry of mine coming into the season. We saw it a couple years ago with Trevor Rogers when he was fantastic, rookie of the year quality season, and he had, I believe, seven wins over 140 innings of sub-three ERA ball. So this is a team that does not do their pitchers many favors in terms of victories. And when you're looking at Alcantara, the fact that he is so volume-based, I'm not so in on him this season. Now, I, I would have preferred the Acuna side. I think you got fairly pr- pretty decent value, but I think if you were going to trade Acuna, you should have aimed probably a little bit higher there. Um, May, Eloy, King, and Wisdom for Harris, Manoa, and Musgrove. So Dustin May, Eloy Jimenez, Michael King, and Patrick Wisdom. For Michael Harris, Manoa, and Musgrove, I'll take the Harris side there. I think you're getting the better players. You know, you got Dustin May, who is now injured. You got Eloy, who is always kind of up and down. Michael King, I like, uh, but I don't know necessarily if he's going to be the guy the Yankees turn to all the time. They'll go to Peralta at times in the ninth inning as well. I don't know that there is that much of a certainty with your saves. I, I like King, but I don't know that he's that much of a hot commodity. And then Patrick Wisdom who is a roller coaster himself in terms of fantasy production. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's awful. Right now he's in the midst of kind of a bad streak. He's seven for his last 29, which is not even bad, really. Uh, But compared to what we were seeing at the start of the season, those home runs are not going to be able to maintain at that same pace. And he's kind of a, I don't know, he's kind of a huge variable, honesty, where if you look at the other side, Michael Harris, Manoa, and Musgrove, I know that Manoa has been brutal, and so has Musgrove, but I would much rather bank on those guys turning it around then on everything else going right on the other side of that trade. Wisdom staying hot for the whole season. King getting that ninth inning and having it secured. Eloy staying healthy and Dustin May coming back healthy. There's a lot more that I'm concerned about on the May-Eloy side than the Harris-Manoa side. So give me the three over the four there all day. Uh, Traded Semyon for Brian Reynolds, and I am regretting it. Depending on your team, Nita, it's not bad. Semyon has been just so good this season. Will he be able to keep it up to this extent? You know, I think that probably he'll tail off a little bit. The batting average won't be this high. The counting stats and the homers and steals will probably remain about the same. On the Brian Reynolds side, like, he has cooled off. He was definitely a a beneficiary of how hot they were to start the season, and he was a a reason why they were hot. You know, he's their best hitter at this point without no O'Neal Cruz. And you can even argue with O'Neal Cruz that maybe Brian Reynolds is the better overall hitter. Um, But he has cooled off. Uh, I don't know that he's going to get back up to that same pace. I think he'll still be fine. I I don't think it's a horrible trade for you. I would have taken Semi in there, especially because second base is typically more scarce, depending on your your format, but generally second base more scarce than outfield. I'd regret it a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be something that ruins your league for you at the end of the day either. I think you'll still be able to get by, you know, fairly, fairly all right from that one. Uh, trade of Brandon Lau and Joey Manessis for Bryce Harper and Tyler Glass. Now, you made off like an absolute bandit. Uh, I would happily take the Bryce Harper and Tyler Glass now side there. No question at all. Uh, James Outman and Wheeler for Glaber and Gonsolin. I don't have a lot of faith in Tony Gonsolin. I know he's been very good so far this season. He was good last year. He seems to have been good for a while now, but he's always constantly outperforming those advanced numbers. You're not getting a ton of Ks. You're getting good team contacts from him. But I don't know that he is somebody that you can really have that much faith in. Uh, Glaber, I really like. We just talked about Glaber. But the other side there, you got a budding James Outman, who I know that people get a little bit frustrated, and I see sometimes he gets dropped in a couple of Yahoo leagues, and he goes down to 87% back up to 90 The dude is a five-category stud in the making, and I have no problem in projecting him in that, in that manner. 
Zach Wheeler, you know, he struggled a bit so far this season, but you're still getting great strikeout numbers, really good team contacts. And I think overall, uh, I'm definitely taking that Zach Wheeler side. Uh, swapped Adamus for Bregman. I think it's okay. Uh, I, I don't have really strong feelings about it one way or the other. Willie Adamus has been pretty okay. He's batting 210, but he's got seven homers and four steals, decent counting stats. Alex Bregman, who's, I don't know, a little bit disappointing. He's starting to come around recently, but I think it's I think it's a fairly reasonable trade depending on your team need. I think it's about even. I think Bregman probably has a slightly higher outlook just because the team context and the lineup context around him is better. But I don't think it's a crazy trade in either way, really. I think it's fine. Uh, what else we got here? Outman for Altuve. Ooh, that's interesting. I think I would take Altuve still. Uh, it's it's real. That's a really tricky one, honestly, because Outman's just been so good. But we know Altuve's upside is just you know, it's, it's it's literally first round fantasy player kind of upside with Altuve. Not to say that he'll meet that. He likely won't based on volume this season. But we know that he can give you. <coughs> excuse me. We know he can give you 20-plus homers, 20 steals. That's somewhere in the 300 range. With Outman, I don't know that the upside is that high. I, I think the team context is similarly great. I think it's better for Altuve a little bit. It's a, that's a very tricky question. I think I would still go with Altuve, but I, I could understand if you wanted to go for uh, for Outman there as well. It It's very close, but I think I would take Jose Altuve in that particular trade. Uh, Jose Abreu and Nicola Dolo for Kalanick and Desclafani. It's a 10-team, 5x5, head-to-head with quality starts. Ah, oh, man, I really don't like the Abreu-Lodolo side. Lodolo is going to be out for a while, and I'm not sure when he's going to be back exactly. It might be uh, two months. That's From what we're, understand, from what we're made to understand here, uh, there's a good chance he'll be out through the All-Star break. Jose Abreu has been dreadful. He's a, In a 10-team league, you could make a strong case that he should be dropped. Kalanick and Discofani, I think I would definitely take that side. I, I trust Kalanick more than any other player in this trade. And Anthony Discofani, you know, he can be kind of hit or miss. He did have a toe injury the other day as well that had uh, caused him to leave the game. But overall, I, I think that he is still a, a fine pitcher, even though he's not going to give you a lot of strikeouts to go along with Kalanick, who is, you know, blossoming this season. I'll take that over the side of the struggling Abreu and the injured Lodolo. I think I will uh, pretty much every single day here. 10-team league. I think Abreu and Lodolo were arguably drops. Not even arguably. I think you can make a, a strong case uh, that they are drops. AL 12-team Roto. Uh, my Bobachette, Chapman, Ward, and Sale for his Seager, Bregman, Otani, hitter only, Hunter Brown, and Will Smith. My goodness, that's a lot going on. Side note, I can't wrap my head around. Like, Congratulations to you guys who can pull off these trades where there are so many pieces in them. I find it very hard to evaluate there when there are so many pieces like we'll go through it here uh, you're trading Boba Bichette Matt Chapman Taylor Ward and Chris Sale Bichette has a potential strong potential to be a top five top 10 fantasy player he needs to start stealing a few more bases but he is as about as good as you can possibly be from a fantasy point of view again I'd like him to steal a little bit more but he is in an elite lineup he is batting at the top of it Even regardless of the lineup he in and of himself is incredible he's got Matt Chapman is a couple spots behind him in that order again we talked about him that he has cooled off a little bit but there's still a lot to love about what Matt Chapman does, especially, like we said, in that lineup. Taylor Ward, I think that he's okay. You know, I think that we kind of overblew the hype on him. Last year, he was good, but I think this year, it's 
it's really not been so great for him. He's bounced around the lineup a little bit. He's generally batting first still, but he's not been producing, and I just don't have a ton of faith in him. Chris Sale, I didn't have a lot of faith coming into the year really at all, but I do think that he is still going to be somebody that carries some fantasy juice. Recently, he's been really good over the last month, over the last couple of weeks specifically. Strikeouts have been really good. It was really weird. He had five innings with no strikeouts against Baltimore a couple starts ago. The previous start was six innings. He got 11 strikeouts. So there is you know, some volatility, not to that extent. I think the volatility comes more in terms of the overall performance as opposed to just the strikeouts with him. But that's a really strong you know, four players to be acquiring. On the other side, Corey Seager, I think he's going to come back and he's going to do great things in that lineup. Bregman, I'm a little bit down on generally. I think that you know this is not going to be the same kind of Bregman year that we usually see. I still think he's really solid in an in any format, obviously, as your third baseman, but I don't know that he's going to reach those same heights that we've come to expect from Alex Bregman. Uh, Otani, hitter only, awesome. You know, there's the only downside is you have to use him as a utility spot. You can't put him in the outfield or anywhere else, but at the end of the day, the production you're getting out of just the hitter version of Otani is a first-round player, not to mention he's also giving you, like, first-round production from the from the pitching standpoint as well. Um, Hunter Brown and Will Smith, that's where I think I will lean towards the first, um, the first side of this. Because Hunter Brown, I think, is good, but I think we, maybe not as good as we are hoping for. Like he's, in a, he's on a great team. He's done well so far this season, but he hasn't looked great in his most recent few starts. His whip for the year is 132. The strikeouts are good, but not like overly exceptional. And then Will Smith, I think, is, and this is Will Smith for Texas because we're talking about AL only league here. I, I like him. I don't know if his job is 100% secure the whole season. He's been very good. Um, but I think if you're looking at the totality of these trades, and he did also add a comment, focus on adding bats from high-run offenses, Texas. Um, so he has Lau and Seager, Bregman and Jordan, and Otani. I I think if you're looking at this trade, I likely – it's actually really even. The more I, The more I look at it and evaluate it, I think it's pretty even. I'd probably take the Bichette side, but I understand I understand both sides, honestly. You know, you're getting Seeger and Bregman, who I think are both going to be really good. Otani is uh, ridiculously good. Brown maybe a little overrated, and you're getting a closer, albeit not someone I have a ton of faith in in Will Smith. But I honestly think it's pretty even. I was leaning originally towards the first half of the trade, and then I was thinking maybe the second half. But I think that this is honestly a pretty damn even trade, all things being considered here. I believe we've got through all of those trades. Uh, let's just double-check the notifications here. Uh, oh, we just actually had a couple more come in. Let me just go over these real quickly. Uh, Burns and Javier for Soto, Marte, and Flaherty. I have Glass now and Severino coming back soon, plus DeGrom and Rodon at some point down the line. Burns and Javier for Soto, Marte, and Flaherty. Whenever I see Marte, I wonder if it's Starling or Cattell. I'm going to assume Starling here, a little bit more star power, no pun intended. Burns and Javier... Soto, Marte, and Flaherty. I don't really like Flaherty at all. Soto and Marte essentially for Burns and Javier because I think Flaherty will end up as waiver wire fodder in a lot of leagues. Uh, man, I, I think I'm taking the Burns and Javier side here. Marte's getting old. I don't know if we can trust him as much. Soto has been not the Soto that we would have hoped for. And Flaherty, I don't really have a lot of faith in. Now, Burns hasn't been great. Javier's been really good, but I think... I think I do prefer those sides. Even though you have a bunch of pitching coming back, I think you're probably undervaluing it just ever so slightly at this point. I'd aim a little bit higher. 
Uh, we got one more trade here that came in, I believe. Uh, the comment, there's a lot of comments on this one, which is good. I really appreciate all that uh, interaction. Traded Taylor Walls and Giovanni Gallegos for Jared Duran. Jaren Duran, I guess. Now I'm shopping for a RP replacement for saves and holds. Taylor Walls and Gallegos for Duran. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, you know, I think Walls and Duran are probably fairly similar from what they're going to give you from a fantasy point of view this season. I, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of difference, really, in terms of, like, the overall stat line. I think it'll be, you know, I think it'll be pretty close all, all the way across the board. Uh, they, oh, so far this season, they've both been huge surprises. They've both been really good. Walls, arguably, a little bit better. And then you add in Giovanni Gallegos, who, again, I'm not, like, huge on Gallegos, but... You're getting another piece in that trade as well. I think you would have to say that that's the preferable side there, Taylor Walls and Gallegos. Uh, I like Duran, but you know if he struggles a lot, there's no reason to think that they won't send him down or bench him or whatever. Same thing with Walls, but I think you're getting that second piece in there, so it's a little bit more security. It's safe plus holds league, so Gallegos doesn't need to be the guy in the closer spot. I like it. I do like it um for the Gallego side there a couple more trades coming in here I'll just I'll just get to them while they're coming in uh 10 team points league eight keepers um trade made two days before Herner hit the IL Vinny P and Herner for Alec Manoa I think at this point uh, I would probably take the Vinny P and Herner side as much as I love Alec Manoa I think that there's a little bit more security in the position player from a keeper league standpoint Vinny would definitely be a keeper I don't know if Herner would be. Manoa, at this point, I would have thought he would have been. But, man, it's been an awful stretch. Maybe he wouldn't be one of your eight keepers. So I would take the Pasquantino side in that trade. Uh, Rizal Iglesias and Logan Webb for Taj Bradley and Walker Bueller. It's a dynasty league. Combined salaries of Rizal and Webb are $35. For Taj Bradley and Walker Bueller, combined for $6. Now the draft cost carries over plus 10% next year and gets taken out of a three fifty dollars budget. Wasn't going to keep Rizal and both pitchers over Webb next season. Yeah, that's a good move in a dynasty league. I think Logan Webb, you know, there's not, he's been better this season with the strikeouts, but generally not a lot of strikeouts you can bank on from him. Rizal Iglesias is good, but I, I think if you're looking at the other side of that trade, you're getting a really cheap Taj Bradley, and I think he's going to be maybe not a stud, but a really, really great pitcher at the same time. And Walker Bueller, who is valued as is way down because of the fact that he's been out for so long. But $3 Walker Bueller over $7 Webb. Like, I would take it probably in a vacuum without even looking at the dollar figures there for a dynasty point of view. I think it's really close, but I'd probably take it. When you factor in the you know, that Rizel is $28 already, I think I am taking the cheaper side there with Bradley and Walker Bueller. Guys, that is it for the trades, I think. I uh, just want to make sure I didn't miss anything because there's uh, a lot of comments here. But I think I got all of them, or I got the vast majority of them anyway. So appreciate you guys uh, sending those trades. And maybe before I wrap up, after I do the streamers, we will look back and just see if anybody else has thrown any trade questions in. But there are not a ton of streamers for tomorrow. Going over the slate, I spent like a good 40 minutes going over this slate, trying to find some valuable streamers for tomorrow. I really can only come up with two. There's a lot of good pitchers going tomorrow. There's a lot of risky situations as well where I wouldn't want to take a chance on streaming. So the two guys that I've come up with here, one of them more rostered than the other, Yusei Kikuchi, he'll be getting Baltimore. And I know he's coming off of a bad start, relatively bad start against Atlanta, which is, you know, it it happens. They're such a great offense. And even there, four innings, he gave you seven strikeouts. Other than that, Odin, pretty much, it's been a smooth sailing for him. He's got a 389 ERA. He's got 40 Ks and in 41 innings. The 130 whip is a little rough, but I think against Baltimore, 
even though they've been good, I don't have so much faith in them on a day-to-day basis in terms of their offense. You know, they're 13th in hits, they're 13th in average. They're a top half offense, but I think if you're looking at what Kikuchi's done, I think I'll take him at home against Baltimore still as being a pretty solid option there. Ranger Suarez is the only other guy that I was really looking at that has, you know, most mostly available that I think can have some viability. He gets the Cubs tomorrow. He did not look great in his first start of the year, but I have to remind you, it was at Colorado in Coors Field, so you can't really hold that against him so much. We've seen for the last couple of years, Ranger Suarez is actually a lot better than you would have expected. He doesn't blow you away, but he's able to give you pretty decent ratios. He's able to give you wins because of the good team context. I think Ranger Suarez is a pretty underrated guy, and I wouldn't be using him in shallow formats. I don't know if he's that kind of streamer. But I think if you're talking about 12 and beyond, uh, Ranger Suarez should have some value. Other than that, I don't really want to recommend any of these guys going tomorrow. There's a lot of very risky options. And there's a lot of guys also who are already on a lot of rosters. You know, I could say, yeah, Michael Kopech, you know, he's got a good matchup tomorrow against Kansas City. But I don't trust Michael Kopech as far as I could throw him at this point. Like, there's certain options like that where the matchups are good, but it's just I don't trust the guy. Martin Perez, he gets Colorado, which you might think, okay, place in Colorado away from Coors. He's been blown up in his last couple of starts, like pretty horrendously, including one of them by Oakland. So, and the most recent one was Oakland. I, I just don't know that I can look at him and recommend him. If you guys want to stream Martin Perez, I, I would say it's a deeper league kind of thing. In your 10s and 12s, I wouldn't go near him. But there's just really not a lot of options tomorrow. I'd probably save your streams for the weekend. And when we talk tomorrow on the show, we'll go through some streamers for, uh, for Saturday and for Sunday. Let me just double check here and see if there's anything else. Uh, Hater for Bregman. Holy moly, I would much rather have Josh Hader there. Uh, not even close. I would much rather have Josh Hader. There's no situation where I, where I would take Bregman over Hader, to be honest. Even if you really desperately needed a third baseman, uh, I, I, Bregman is the guy that uh, he's, he's going to be good. Like We talked about him a lot today. He's going to be fine. But Josh Hader is the number one closer in baseball for me. I don't think that there's – I don't think you've got equal value there. Um, but I think that's pretty much it. Oh, one more. Last one. I promise this is the last one here. Traded away Wade Miley for Bailey Ober. That's a great trade. Uh, Wade Miley is somebody who I don't think is going to have that much value, especially being on the injured list right now. He's been pretty good this season. But he doesn't give you many Ks at all. I think overall he's – He's fine, but Bailey Ober has been really, really good through his first 30 innings, 28 Ks. He's got a 178 ERA. He's got a sub one whip. He's won three of his first, what is it, five starts. He's looked really, really good so far. That hasn't really been a bad start for him. Good trade getting Bailey Ober there. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. I really love when you guys put so many questions and interact with these tweets. It helps a lot with the show. It makes it fun for you guys to listen in and hear about your own trades, of course, unless I disagree with it, and then I'm sure you guys don't have as much fun. But again, uh, really appreciate all you guys hanging out here. I appreciate all of the follows over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and specifically at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. All of our new content gets posted there, so make sure you are dropping a follow. And if you're not on Twitter, go check us out at SportsEthos.com. Guys, we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll look at some of today's news and notes. We'll look at all the usual things, and we'll talk weekend streamers. Until then, take care, have a great night, and cheers, everybody. 